Matthew 24, beginning in verse number 12. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. I I remind you here this morning that this is a tribulation passage of Scripture. That is the context. Jesus makes that clear at the beginning of the chapter. And when he says, they that endure unto the end, he's talking about enduring to the end of the tribulation period. He's not talking about uh, keeping your salvation and staying right with God, and uh, you have to do all that to be saved. And that's certainly uh, an important topic, but not what we'll have time to cover here this morning. And then he says in verse 14, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. When you therefore shall see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel the prophet, stand in the holy place, whoso readeth, let him understand, then let them which be in Judea flee into the mountains. Let him which is on the housetop not come down to take anything out of his house. Neither let him which is in the field return back to take his clothes. And woe unto them that are with child, to them that give suck in those days. But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. For then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world to this time, no, nor ever shall be. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. Then, if any man uh, shall say unto you, Lo, here is Christ, or there, believe it not. For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that, if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Now skip down with me to verse number 42. Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the good man of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. Therefore be also ready, for in such an hour as ye think not, the Son of Man cometh. What I want to speak to you this morning is kind of a clever title, not really trying to be clever, but it's the best way I know to say it. I want to talk to you about your spiritual bug out bag. You don't know what a bug out bag is. I'll talk about it here in just a few minutes. Father, thank you for the privilege that we have to open up the Word of God. We thank you for the prophecies that you've given us. And Lord, the text that I just read in Matthew 24, Lord, just every verse that we read is a study in and of itself. And God, we want to focus on the things in Revelation 14 here today, and we pray that you would bless us and help us to communicate clearly, and Lord, to present these prophecies and doctrines so that we can understand and know what we need to know, but more importantly, that we would respond as we ought to. There's no doubt someone listening here today that doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Lord, we pray for them. God, that you'd give them the grace that they need to come to you as Savior. And uh, Father, for all the rest of us, God, that we would be ready. We know we're living in perilous times. We know, Lord, that we have a blessed hope that is coming and a trumpet that will sound. Could be today, could be tomorrow, 
Lord, it could be in years to come. Uh, Lord, we hope it's in our lifetime. We don't know it, but we hope it. But the bottom line, Lord, we all need to be ready. We pray that you'd bless this time now and have your will and way in our hearts and lives. And above all, Lord, get glory and honor from what is said today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated, and thank you for that. Turn to Revelation chapter number 14. So what is a bug-out bag? I'm sure some of you are familiar with what it is. It's a a bag that you have packed uh, that's filled with survival supplies, uh, such as food, water, medications, maybe even a flashlight. And it's kept ready for use in case of an emergency and that requires rapid evacuation. Typically, it contains 72 hours worth of survival supplies, essentials, the things that you just absolutely might have if a unknown scenario were to take place. We read about Jesus' warning about a day coming and some woes that he gave to people that, hey, if you got a baby, uh, if it's in the winter, it's going to be cold. There's going to come a time here on this earth where God's people are going to need a bug-out bag in the tribulation period. Now, I'm not worried about a bug-out bag to run from the Antichrist, and if you're saved, you don't need to be worried either. But there are some spiritual truths. The, the following that I want to talk to you about here in Revelation 14 are some truths that are basic and essential. And uh, I hope that I'm not preaching to anybody that's going to need these literally. I, I, I trust, you know, the Bible says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. I hope that the majority of the people I'm preaching to will take spiritual application. But uh, bottom line is if you should find yourself... Here, when all of these things are taking place, you'll want to pay close attention to these essentials that the Word of God gives us here in Revelation chapter number 14. Let's read verse 1 through 3 to begin with. And I looked, and lo, a lamb stood on the Mount Zion, and with him an hundred forty and four thousand, having his Father's name written in their foreheads. I believe that these are the elect that Jesus refers to in Matthew 24. And he says, I heard a voice from heaven as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of a great thunder, and I heard the voice of harpers harping with their harps. This voice of many waters, we we know who that is. Uh, we, We read about him in Revelation chapter number 1 and several other passages in the book of Revelation. And in verse 3 it says, They sung, as it were, a new song before the throne, before the four beasts and the elders, and no man could learn that song but the 144,000 which were redeemed from the earth. Notice in verse number 1 that it says, that the word lamb, notice that lamb is capitalized, just like the word father is capitalized in the same verse. This tells us not only that this voice of many waters, but the fact that this lamb is capital L, we know that this is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. We celebrate this time of the year as Jesus being born in a manger there in Bethlehem. That is significant because Jesus came the first time to be the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. 
Now in Revelation 19, he's not coming back as a baby in a manger. He's coming back as the Lion of the tribe of Judah, King of kings and Lord of lords. I am personally looking forward to that day. Now, in regarding the 144,000 that are mentioned here in verse 1 through 3, we previously preached two sermons on these 144,000 Jews. But as a reminder, I just want everyone to remember that these are not the Jehovah's Witnesses. If you know anything about their doctrine, uh, they originally said that they were that 144,000, and then as their organization grew past 144,000, they had to change that doctrine one time, and ultimately they still believe it, but they're, they spiritualize everything. And that's just a very convenient way to approach the Bible. You can make all kinds of adamant claims, and then you can just, you know, rearrange that when uh, according to how things actually come about they're not jehovah's witnesses but neither neither are they the church this is not talking about the church it has nothing to do with the church in fact these are not even what we would call the tribulation saints they are tribulation saints but they're not the tribulation saints because There are tribulation saints that in previous chapters in Revelation, we find that it's an untold number that are there at the uh, underneath the altar and so forth. So there are going to be others that are non-Jews from all kindreds, tribes, and nations that are saved through the tribulation period. And uh, that's uh, just like some other things we've talked about. That's a study for another time. In Revelation chapter 7, uh, I believe it's the first half of the tribulation, these are, all these 144,000 are being sealed there on the earth. And um, they're sealed in their foreheads by God, and they are 12,000 from each tribe. Uh, verse 2 of chapter 7, and I saw another angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was given to hurt the earth and the sea, saying, Hurt not the earth, neither the sea nor the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God in their foreheads. And I heard the number of them which were sealed. And there were sealed an hundred and forty and four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel. This is twelve thousand from every tribe. These are not just tribulation saints. This is not the church. These are... 144,000 elect or chosen Jews in the tribulation period. Now, in chapter 14, in verse number 1, we see here that all of these 144,000 are where the Lamb is and the elders. They're at the throne of God, Mount Sinai. This is talking about heaven. And so, no doubt... No doubt, these 144,000, sometime there toward the, probably the end of the second half of the tribulation period, they get raptured all at one time because they are all in heaven all at the same time. We don't find an account of that, but we certainly can see and that it's clear that they got raptured out of here. Now look at verse number four with me. It says, these are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which follow the Lamb whithersoever he goeth. 
These were redeemed from among men, being the firstfruits unto God and to the Lamb. And in their mouth was found no guile, for they are without fault before the throne of God. This is a reminder of the character of these 144,000. In verse 4, they're not defiled with women. It's important to note that sexual relations within God's law of marriage is not defiling. Now we know that. Hebrews 13, verse number 4 says, Marriage is honorable in all, and the bed undefiled. But whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. That's what the Word of God says. There's a judgment that's coming. Listen, sexual relations are supposed to be within God's law of marriage. And, uh, you know, we see that all throughout the Scripture. Anything outside of that is adultery or fornication, and it is a sin against God. Now, we're living in a day, you know, since the 60s, the sexual revolution, mankind thinks that what I do is my business, but God's the one that created it, and God's the one that sanctions and puts the requirements and the expectations. And by the way, God's laws are not just God's way of trying to keep you from pleasure. It's God's way of protecting you from all of the fallout, all of the, all of the consequences and ramifications that come from relations outside of marriage. Now, verse number four, and oh, and by the way, the Holy Spirit here in our text makes it clear that these were not not only were these undefiled in the sense that they didn't have relations outside of marriage, but it makes it clear that these 144,000 were also virgins, all right? Not perpetual spiritual virgins like the Jehovah's Witnesses would say when someone, when they thought they were saying that they're the 144,000 and someone said, well, wait a minute, you're married and you have children, well, that's an inconvenient defense that they had, so that's why they had to, you know, twist all of that. But these are unmarried, and they are also virgins. Verse number four says that they followed the Lamb wherever He goes. Now, let me just insert this, just a little addendum, another potential rabbit trail that we don't have time to run down, and and that is this, that... In the tribulation period, there are works involved in a person's salvation. I mean, we just read it in Matthew 24. You have to endure to the end. Works are involved. And we're living in a day and age, we're so used to the gospel of the grace of God. We've been living under a grace message for 2,000 years now that it is difficult for Christians to understand this concept that God actually, that works are involved. That doesn't mean that works aren't the product of faith. James chapter number 2 makes that clear. Listen, there will never be a human being ever that's a descendant of Adam that will ever deserve going to heaven. For by the deeds of the law shall no flesh be justified. But that does not exclude the concept that works aren't involved in a person's salvation, but they had to have faith as well. These were following the Lamb wherever He went. 
They were, verse 4, they were redeemed from among men. God did something. He sealed them. He called them. He took them out of the rest of the population of Jews as well as Gentiles. They were redeemed. They had a relationship with Jesus Christ. They were without guile, verse number 5. Well, you talk about a group of people that would stand out in today's culture. It seems like you can, you can go around Statesville and it's hard to find 14 people that are without guile, let alone 144,000. What do you mean by guile? You know what I mean. Hidden agendas. They don't say what they mean. I was talking to our Sunday school class here this morning, and boy, wouldn't it be a blessing if there were some gen- more genuine Christians that were in positions of public service, politicians that had integrity. But the reality of it is, it's getting more and more difficult for people with integrity to be in those positions of leadership because the way the media is, they almost got it set up that you can't just tell it like it is or you're going to be... I mean, you're going to be, your character is going to become assassinated. I watch the debates. Well, I used to. Anymore, I just, they frustrate me. I I am a simple, plain guy, all right? This is, when you ask me a question, this is how I like to answer it. Are you ready for this? Yes. No. Because that's easy to understand, right? You get it. Now, every now and then, there is a question that you say, yes, but you need to qualify it because you know that someone can maybe get the wrong impression from that. Nothing wrong with making sure you're understood, but when's the last time you ever heard a politician give a direct answer to a direct question? Why? Because there's so much guile out there. Listen, conservative, liberal, I don't even like, I don't even like the conservative news media that slants it to the position that I happen to like and agree with. I just want to know the truth, don't you? Give me the truth, give me the facts. I can do my own thinking, thank you. But that is something that is long gone in today's society. These 144,000 were without guile. But notice in verse 5, it also says that they were without fault. Now, it doesn't say that they were without sin. They were descendants of Adam. They were redeemed from among men. So they had to be redeemed. They were sinners that had been, uh, that had, uh, through Jesus Christ, had had their sins washed away. But it says here that they were without fault. Now, we can even, here, here's something that's interesting. You and I, as Christians, do you know that we can live lives that are faultless if we're saved? We can. We don't. Often we won't, but we can. For me to stand up here and give you a bunch of Good old boy sentiment, though, well, nobody's perfect, and it's just, it's okay if you say, I can't do that, because the Bible makes it clear. 
if we have Jesus Christ as our Savior and the Holy Spirit lives inside of us, then we have the capability of, listen to this, we have the capability of living sinlessly. It's not a matter of what we can do, it's what we will do. Now, we know from experience that sin is something we have to deal with. Even the Apostle Paul, who was a greater Christian than anyone that I've ever known or met, even he said in Romans chapter number 7, he said, the good that I would do, he said, how to perform it, I find not. The evil that I don't want to do, he said, that's just what I keep on doing. And I'm paraphrasing it, obviously. He got frustrated with what in his heart he wanted to do and what he knew that he always ended up doing. And that's just goes with the territory of being a Christian and battling the two natures. Now, if you're not born again, you don't even really know what that battle is. You may have just a little, "Eh, I don't want to get in trouble. I don't want to get caught. You know, I want my ticket to heaven, but I don't, I want to keep living my sinful lifestyle. Well, that's not truly being redeemed. And these 144,000 were certainly not in that category. He always speaks of us being faultless and not sinless. I pray God your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul told the church at Thessalonica. And so having said all that, the 144,000 Jews, 12,000 of every tribe, they are virgins, they are redeemed from among men, they are without guile, they follow the Lamb wherever He goes, and they were without fault. Having said all of that, what you need for your spiritual bug-out bag is this understanding, number one, you are not part of the 144,000. You're not. I, I mean, I, I say that maybe somebody out there listening could be, but you here, I'm pretty certain. I just about stake my life on it. Nobody in this room right here is one of the 144,000. There might not be anybody even in here that's Jewish for that matter. So mark it down. You're not part of the 144,000. Look at verse number six. Verse number six, and I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. Well, you need to understand this is an essential truth, and that is this. There is more than one gospel in the Bible. Just because you see the word gospel doesn't mean that it's always talking about the same thing, and it doesn't mean that it's doctrinally being spoken to you and I. There is the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus talked about it in our opening text in Matthew 24, and this gospel of the kingdom is to be preached, and with that gospel of the kingdom, he said, they that endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. It's the good news that was preached exclusively to the Jews. Jesus even told his disciples, he said, when he sent them out, he said, I don't want you to preach to the Jews. He told the woman, uh, the, the Canaanite woman, 
he said, it's not meat to take the children's bread and to feed it to the dogs and so forth. He said, I want you to go to the Jews only because the Jews, that was the kingdom, that was the good news that Jesus was going to be their Messiah. Now, not only is it preached exclusively to Jews, but it was always accompanied by signs and wonders. Those apostles that were preaching it, they would do signs and wonders. In fact, in Mark chapter number 16, the gospel of the kingdom is being commissioned that they should go preach it. And Jesus said that if someone believes, if someone repents and believes this gospel of the kingdom, these signs shall follow. They drink any deadly thing, it won't hurt them. They'll speak in new tongues. They'll take up serpents. If you were maybe questioning about this more than one gospel, I don't know about that preacher, if he knows what he's talking about. Read Mark chapter number 16, you'll see it my way. And you know how many people that I know that have misapplied Mark 16 and misrepresented that we're in the gospel of the kingdom dispensation and, uh, you know, a lot of the, you've heard of snake handlers, you know, most of them end up dead. That's probably why you don't hear much about it anymore. They just don't have very long lifespans. It was preached by John the Baptist, by Jesus, by the apostles, and it is not the same message. Believers must endure to the end in order to be saved. And then you have the gospel of the grace of God. And once again, these are all studies in and of themselves. I'm just giving you a bug out bag here, okay? Just essentials. Wetting your appetite a little bit. The gospel of the grace of God is our message for this time period. It was revealed specifically to the Apostle Paul, the mystery of the church, uh, salvation opened up to the Gentiles, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Nowhere else do you find Ephesians 4.30, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. It's preached to all sinners, Jew and Gentile alike. Its message is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 3, and believers in this gospel have eternal security. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now look at verse number 7 here, and we see what this everlasting gospel is saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to him for the hour of his judgment is come and worship him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of waters. This is going to be relevant because they're going to be living in a time period when the ecosystem has just went through catastrophe after catastrophe after catastrophe. This is the message of the everlasting gospel. Salvation by grace through faith will no longer be an issue. Listen, the everlasting gospel is going to be from this point here on out in the tribulation period. 
And we talk about salvation by faith or justification by faith. I got news for you. When Jesus comes back, it's not going to be by faith anymore. He's going to be sitting on the throne of his father David in Jerusalem. He's going to be here. You're not going to have to believe by faith. It's going to take trust in God. Mankind is still going to that, that survive into the tribulation of uh, the millennium are still going to be sinners. People that are born will still have Adam's nature. That's not going to be uh, done away until the end of the kingdom. But rest assured, it's going to be a huge change. Now, having said all of that, Galatians one verse number eight. Here's an interesting truth: the Holy Spirit knew. The Holy Spirit is able to make all these connections that we have to study to show ourselves approved. We can make the major ones, but the Holy Spirit just understands it all. Galatians 1.8, But though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. Now, this angel... This everlasting gospel is a different gospel preached by an angel. Does that mean that they're accursed? Well, you study that out and you find out that Paul's not saying that they're accursed. The problem is, is preaching any other gospel in this time period means you're accursed. You preach the gospel of the kingdom. We were across the street from people yesterday that we're propagating a gospel of the kingdom message. It's not the gospel for us in the church age. Jesus made that clear, crystal clear. You have to rightly divide the word of truth. If you want to believe the everlasting gospel that this angel preached, it's not going to get you to heaven in this time period. Paul made it very, very clear that you don't add Law, you don't add circumcision, you don't add kingdom message, it's not the Beatitudes, it's not all of those, not enduring to the end to be saved, it is the gospel of the grace of God, you're a sinner, Jesus Christ died for your sins, he was buried and he rose again the third day, if you want to be saved in this day and age, you're going to have to be saved by what Jesus did for you not by anything that you can do to add to it. So, number two, add this to your bug out bag. Make sure that you believe the right gospel. Now look with me at verse number eight, and I've got to go quickly here. And there followed another angel saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen, that great city, because she made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. Now, I'm going to skip through this here real quickly, but Babylon is fallen here. And remember that the book of Revelation is not written in one series of chronological events. You have multiple trips through the book of Revelation. The trumpet judgments and the seal judgments and all of these are different aspects that God, the Holy Spirit, brings us through the tribulation period up to the millennial kingdom. Just like we have four different gospels that talk about the beginning of the church age and, and the, the first coming of Jesus Christ. Those four gospels all tell it just a little bit differently, but it's all talking about the same events. 
You can read more about Babylon falling in Revelation 17 and Revelation chapter number 18, and so we don't have time to deal with that here this morning. But bottom line, read it and stay away from anything that resembles Babylon. You know, one world system, one world religion, all of these things, uh, stay away from it, um, it'll mess you up. Look at verse number 9 now, and we'll move on to our next uh, point here, one of our last points, Revelation 14 and verse number 9 says, And the third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If any man worship the beast and his image and receive his mark in his forehead or in his hand, the same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture into the cup of his indignation, He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascendeth up forever and ever. They have no rest day nor night who worship the beast and his image and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. We see here the consequences of taking the mark of the beast. Verse number 9 says this mark will not be accidental or incidental. It's connected to worship of the beast and the false prophet. You know, there's all kinds of conspiracies. I can remember when using a debit card or scanning a barcode or even there were people that thought that the vaccines for the pandemic was taking the mark of the beast. I know people that thought that wearing a mask, it was the mask of the beast because there's only one letter difference. I've heard all of these things. You can rearrange letters and you can make a case for anything. Some people in the month of December, they think that uh, if you rearrange the letters of Santa and Santa Claus and you have Satan Claus. It will not be accidental. It'll be connected to the beast, this man, this world leader, and what he represents. People will know that it's connected with worship. In verse 10, we see the consequences are severe, the smoke of their torment, and in verse 11, the consequences are eternal, forever and ever, no rest, day or night. You know... There's no turning back. If you find yourself in this period, if you get left behind, listen, don't do anything that has anything to do with taking any mark that's associated with anything. It will, it will seal your eternal doom in the lake of fire. And there's no turning back. There's no, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I made a mistake. It's final and it's absolute. You need this truth in your bug-out bag should you find yourself there. Now, notice the ways in today's society that people are being groomed for taking this mark. How about the commonality of bodily markings in today's culture? How about buying and selling, how it's become so digital, so traceable, so accountable? You don't have the mom-and-pop's market. You don't do business with cash and buy something. You don't trade commodities. Everything has to do with digital. The world banking systems are all just little by little, are all becoming conglomerate. 
and you leave a digital trail everywhere you go. You've got satellites and all of that. I'm not saying that using a debit card means that you're participating in the mark of the beast. I'm just simply saying that these are not coincidences. Commerce is no longer local. It's not. Universal mandates for employment, attendance, participation. I believe that uh, the mystery of iniquity, the spirit of Antichrist, that he um, inspired a test run during the COVID-19 pandemic. That's unprecedented. Some of you old-timers that are red-blooded, independent Americans, you never thought that we'd ever be in a place in America where just everybody would fall in line like a bunch of lemmings. I'm, listen, I'm not saying, once again, I'm not saying if you got vaccinated that you did anything wrong. I'm just simply saying that there was a worldwide global system that it was just across the board where there were mandates to do something that the government said you needed to do, and if you didn't do it, you were going to be left out of this or you were going to have some problems. Hey, that's a test run for worse things to come. How about the universality? What do I mean? I mean, it's just it's common. It's everywhere. Of unbiblical aesthetic worship. Worship's a big deal in churches today, but it's not worship that's honoring and glorifying God. It's worship that is honoring, glorifying self. It's all emotional. It's not in spirit and in truth. It's all about me, and it's all based on music rather than Bible doctrine and truth. It's just setting the stage. The devil's... The mystery of iniquity and the spirit of Antichrist is actually using the quote-unquote Christian church to create this atmosphere that's just going to make everybody be willing to worship the beast. And by the way, that picture of it is Nebuchadnezzar's image back there in the book of Daniel where they were commanded to fall down and worship that image when they heard the sound of all kinds of music. Nowhere... In any time in church history has there been more focus on music and worship than what we see in the modern church today. Once again, I'm not preaching against all of those things. I'm simply making an honest observation and comparing the scripture with what we see going on around us. And you know what? When the shoe fits, you got to wear it. The pieces of the puzzle are just coming all together. So, number four, and my last point, not my conclusion, but my last point is don't worship the beast or take his mark. Revelation 14 and verse number 12, and we'll close this morning. Verse number 12 says, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. There's another verse for... Works and faith being connected, certainly in the tribulation period. Verse 13, and excuse me, um, verse 13, and I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Right blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth, yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works 
do follow them. We see here a summary in two verses of much of the book of Hebrews, all summarized right here. Hebrews 4.11 says, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fail or fall after the same example of unbelief. Hebrews 6.11, And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end. Listen, the book of Hebrews has some wonderful truths for us. But it is not a book that is written to us. It's important that we rightly divide and remember that. Titus chapter 2, this is to us, no doubt, the Gentile church in this day and age. Titus 2 and verse number 13 says, looking for that blessed hope. That's the rapture, by the way, not the tribulation, it's not the, the kingdom and the, the return of Jesus in, on a white horse, it's the rapture, the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Our blessed hope is Jesus Christ. He gave himself for you to redeem you from your sins. He died on the cross so that you can be saved and have eternal life. That is the gospel of the grace of God. It is for you. It is to you. And we read about it right here. And so my conclusion is simply this. Forget the bug out bag. Just don't get left behind. Get saved. If you're not saved, that trumpet could sound any time.